Welcome back to Dangerous Rhetoric. This is episode 97. Before I get into it, please like, comment, share, subscribe. If you want to help us continue doing this, we're broke as hell, so we'll happily take all your money. Yes, thank you. <laughs> With all of that said, yeah, links in the description. With all of that said, today we're joined by a special guest who is gracious enough to lend us some of his time, the great Chadwick Moore based problematic thinker. Um, Chadwick, <laughs> Chadwick is a journalist, a public speaker, political commentator, cultural critic. He's a columnist and contributor, contributing editor to The Spectator, editor-in-chief of Outspoken and Outspoken Middle East, and a regular guest on Tucker Carlson and Gutfeld on Fox News. And he's the author of So You've Been Sent to Diversity Training, Smiling Through the DEI Apocalypse. Great title. I would love the cover, too. <laughs> Chadwick, welcome. Thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate hey, it. Hey, thanks for having me. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off by backtracking a bit and more into your origin story oh. um, and we can go even further back if you want but I'm gonna start around 2016 I believe it was you wrote a piece for out magazine of which you used to work am I correct yes. correct and you wrote an article about Milo Yiannopoulos which was supposed to be a, a kind of balanced take on him you didn't you didn't condemn him nor did you praise him and you wrote this article and basically after that, your life changed quite dramatically, if, you know, and from there, you know, you ended up coming out as conservative in 2017, your second coming out, we'll call that. Yes. <laughs> and then you ended up on Tucker Carlson and then, you know, years, all the years passing. And now, now here we are talking about conservatism and, and the gays and all of that stuff. So, you know, talk a bit about that. Talk a bit about how that article came about, why you chose to write about Milo, and then the spiraling of everything that happened as a result of it. Yeah, sure. Uh, so um, that came about, um, I was editor-at-large for Out Magazine, The Advocate, which is the same company. And so I did a lot of their profiles, celebrity profiles, big features, investigative stories, things like that. Never anything political. And it wasn't my idea. I'd, I'd barely heard of Milo at the time. This was like summer of 2016. And uh, my editor was like, do you want to write about this Milo guy? And I'm like, oh, that's like that Twinks for Trump guy or something. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, sure. He's, you know, if not thinking anything political. I was just like, he's a, obviously a, a strange character, like a, a bizarre character in culture, and, uh, a unique person. So I'm like, yeah, of course I'll profile him. Um, and as I said, I didn't know too much about him. And then I went to, he was in London at the time. And I went to London and I spent about a month out there profiling him. And, and I just sort of covered him the way I would cover anyone else. You know, I just sort of was curious about what made him tick, what, you know, what his place was in culture and politics. The more I got to know him and, and actually as soon as I got there during the first interview, I realized that I knew, knew absolutely nothing about him. I was like completely unprepared for the interview because everything I was doing for my research was all like left-wing media I was reading about yeah. him that was basically like oh he's just this clown he's a troll don't pay attention to him and when I got there I realized that he was um not only hilarious but whip smart and uh in our in our conversations he was saying things to me that I'd never heard anyone say especially any gay person but which I'd always privately felt or thought myself 
So I, uh, uh, that was uh, uh, an interesting experience. And then I, uh, the story came out in uh, that September, in that September issue, right before the 2016 election. And um, it went, you know, I, I wasn't expecting anything out of it. It was just some story. I'd already moved on and was right working on other things. And um, uh, it went totally viral. And, um, and then people were trying to, like, cancel out magazine. And they were calling me a Nazi and a racist. And I was watching all these people like friends of mine like people from the neighborhood like on social media having like conversations about me and i'm like what the fuck is going on here uh so that was the first time i sort of found myself outside the bubble looking in and it was uh, a strange experience um but uh people were sort of it it, you know kind of died down as i as i expected it would it was my first time being canceled and nothing bad happened to me and and uh too much to my editor's credit they stood by the story the, the older people in the magazine, the, the older millennials and Gen Xers stood by it. The, the younger people, they like, there was like a petition going around to like condemn it. And people who worked at the magazine were signing it. And I'm like, can you imagine doing that to your employer? I would, yeah. you know, you disagree. I can't, I can't even believe it. Um, no, it's absurd. Yeah, that was, that was that episode. And then uh, several months went by, Donald Trump won the election, which I didn't see coming at all. I, 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 um, uh, I don't know politics at all. I'll just let you yeah. guys know that. I'm wrong about it all the time. I just talk shit and, and evaluate things. I but, think that's uh, what most of us do, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, we can admit it. They can't. Everyone's wrong all the time, but they have to pretend like they're scions of what's coming. <laughs> yeah. But no, I'll admit that I'm always wrong. I was wrong about the last three elections. So um, I was wrong that, that, that Hillary wouldn't win. And um, I just got—I I believe it was the—it um, was the, the 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 pussy march that happened on inauguration day, <laughs> and I was watching the footage from that, and I was just like, I have. Can I cuss on here? I don't know if you're allowed. That yeah, you're that. fine. I have a filthy mouth. Like, I'm working on it. But, it's okay. Um, we're, we're I'm from New Jersey, so I totally. Oh, thank God. Okay, well, I'm around good company. This is not a this is not a children's show. It is not. No. Oh, okay. Good. This good. Is the 18 plus adults only. 18 plus adults. Excellent. Excellent. Good. Um. So anyway, I'm like these fucking people are insane, and I can't keep my mouth shut anymore about this shit. And in the meantime, everyone I worked with, I was also at the time I was freelancing for the New York Times and Playboy and a bunch of other places. Yeah. And I was watching all of my colleagues and all my bosses on social media having these meltdowns over Donald Trump. And I just sort of thought, well, if, if you know, they can speak their minds. I, I, I falsely at the time had this naive view that journalists ought to be, uh, or at least uh, present the impression of being objective and unbiased. And I'd always kept my opinions to myself. But I saw all of this happening and I thought, I got to say something. Just so I, I just want to sort of be on the record so that people don't think I'm like them, so that anyone who might happen to read my work will not think I'm one of these people just because I'm a homo who works in media and lives in Brooklyn. You know what I mean? Uh, so I wrote a piece for the New York Post and just sort of came out conservative. Uh, and it was um, quite an innocent piece. It wasn't like, you know, I'm ready for the right wing revolution. It was just sort of like, I don't hate Donald Trump and I believe in free speech. And I think that the media lies a lot. I think the left has gone kind of crazy. And I, I'm excited to see what this new president's going to do. That's sort of basically what it was about. And that was like a bridge way too far. I, I got <laughs> fired from all my jobs. Oh, God, uh, wow. I lost all my friends. I'm still not allowed in the gay bars in my neighborhood. Wow. And uh, that is my um, origin story as of as of uh, 2016. So even even some of your closest friends at the time, right? They went cold on you. They ghosted you because I, I read this. Oh, yeah. 
I read some of uh, I read the article, you know, for the New York Post, and then I saw the original interview you did on Tucker, where you talked a bit about that. But like, what was that like? We we have a bit of experience in that area as well. Yeah, I I want to hear your stories about it too, because Daniel, you tweeted something the other day that really uh, 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 was similar to my experience. I think I retweeted it, but um, uh, it was. So wasn't it first so that that first time on Tucker? You know, he asked that, that was such a strange experience. Not, I'm on Tucker and um, and Gutfeld all the time, and I do a lot of TV and stuff. But like, I'm not a TV person. Like, I don't like, I don't, I don't like these. I'm, I'm grateful. Like, I'm super grateful. You know, I'm not one of these people. But some people, when you do the TV world, like, there's people who like really want to be on TV, and they're like mm -hmm. they're desperate for it. They love seeing themselves on TV, and it's like what they live for. They love seeing themselves and hearing themselves talk. I'm not one of those people. Uh, when I saw this was going to be on camera, I'm sort of like, oh, God, it's going to be like, you know, I, I'm like one of those people. <laughs> yeah, but, I understand. Um, so that was like a weird experience. Like, and then I'm like, oh, my God, I'm on television. And now I'm on all the time. It never gets, like, more comfortable. I'm always nervous. Um, but Tucker, I mean, everyone at Fox is, like, super sweet. Everyone I've met is really, really nice and, like, lovely and work with there. But, I mean, um, Tucker is not an evil Nazi and a homophobe. Can you believe it? Can you believe <laughs> I know, right? Um, God, that man. Uh, the, uh, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the shit people believe about him is unreal. But um, so at, at that point, I hadn't really lost all my friends yet. Some of them had kind of come around and been like, you're a Nazi. And I'm like, really? Like, you're a racist. I'm like, you've met all my boyfriends. Like, not one of them has been white. But OK, they got racist. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> um, but it was like shortly after that, when I just when I was just on Twitter, like, I'm not backing down. No, screw you, people. Then all my friends, you know, everyone I knew pre-Trump is now out of my life. And you know, these are people I was best friends with like decades, um, which was bizarre because I always thought that they were these really intelligent, uh, thoughtful people who love debate and having conversations. And, and for the most part, they were until Trump. You know, I, I don't think much about me has changed. I think I just became more galvanized on certain issues. And uh, but something happened to that side where you could no longer if you weren't totally lockstep or at least pretending to be like something was triggered in their brains they 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 drove off the cliff and 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 everything i, I mean i don't know it sounds like youtube had similar yeah. experiences but i'm like i'm i'm the same person you know yeah so the thing i tweeted at least this was the other day i don't know if you were referring to another tweet but this was the one that uh i think you retweeted from outspoken i said conservatives aren't the ones who convinced me to become more conservative woke liberals did that by trying to cancel me for asking questions and then i added the silver lining is now i have people in my life with actual values who've helped make me a better more disciplined person and i learned how to shoot a gun so uh, 100 percent agree with everything you said that it, it cuts yeah. my soul to read that a lot a lot of people responded i had a couple people trying to argue but there were quite a few people who agreed with it um one of these responses kind of said something along the lines of what you said like you know are, did you really change or is it that that uh, they've changed. You know, they said, are you sure you've changed? I feel that I am the same critical That's thinking not. person I have always been, and it is the woke liberals who have changed into fascists. I judge people by their actions and not by their sex, sexual orientation, or race. And I responded to him, I said, it's both for me. They've changed, yes, but I've also changed in response. I value certain traditions more than I once did. I value family more. I value discipline more, and I've cast off the victim mentality of feeling perpetually dis enfranchised which the left only reinforced so, absolutely. absolutely and that's and our journey is like 
I mean, I don't think I've changed too much for the most part, but I did kind of come from that lefty side and I was more of a moderate lefty when I was younger and I went to Occupy Wall Street and all that stuff, you know, yeah. Brent, Brent's kind of similar. He's probably still a little more lefty, whereas now I'm, I'm just like, all right, I'm moderate right now. Like, I don't even hide it anymore. I'm not going to try. Like, it's been a journey over a few months, but how we got there, I think, where we really had to step out and speak out along those lines more was the lockdowns and the mandates and, and all of that stuff. Mm. And that sort of coalesced with like everything else, identity politics. Um, Brent started in 2018, uh, a solo channel, right? 2019. 2019. He started yeah. his own solo YouTube channel and he was already talking about identity politics, um, the, the drag kids phenomenon and mm -hmm. stuff like that, which we started seeing a few years ago and we're like, uh, well, I don't want to be associated with that. Like that's yeah. no, like, yeah. you know, this stuff is not for kids. His channel eventually got nuked um, yeah, a couple like, years ago. Yeah. What happened? Why did it get nuked? Uh, multiple repeated violations yeah. for what they called cyberbullying and targeted yeah. harassment. <laughs> and I didn't have any strikes yeah. on the channel at the time. It was not a single strike on the channel. Yeah, we still have wow. one strike on this channel. We have one strike yeah. on this one now. We're waiting to come off because yeah. uh, we were getting a little too 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 much truth with COVID and yeah. some uh, and the election. The election. Yeah, you did that you episode with Eric Abenante. Yeah. yeah, and in his and, documentary with Lila Hart, they did a documentary. Yeah, I don't even say the name of the yeah, documentary. I can't. I probably can't even say the, the say name the of name. it. Yeah. So we have two strikes. One of them's gone. <laughs> one of them will be off soon. So yeah, it, there's been a lot of pushback shadow ban all that crap if you look but, at the you know our back catalog of stuff i had to delete a bunch of our yeah. old episodes because we were concerned they were going to nuke the whole yeah. channel so we were like let's try to save so, the channel so. all our old stuff is on rumble and odyssey but not yeah, on yeah this is so wait how does this that's so that's youtube but isn't isn't everyone who's decent and good and wonderful moving to rumble anyway or we're, we're, on, with that? Pretty we're on rumble we're, we're, back everything we're, we're on, on both there. right yeah. now it's yeah. still youtube is still the place to get the audience for yeah, like right. live Live streaming and if you want to monetize really unless you are a super big you know famous type person you're not going to get the following on rumble some people yeah. can some people are making rumble happen uh there's a lot of new rumble exclusives too i just yeah. heard uh don don jr i think is uh going rumble exclusive He's starting a podcast and, yeah. and locals and they're they did like a but big deal the the short version of our journey lockdowns happened um within about a month of that you know how, remember how they were doing the clap every 7 p.m. Uh -huh. for yeah, the healthcare and essential workers and all that stuff? Yeah, especially in your neighborhood. I yes. That. Yeah. We, uh -huh. we got very sick of that. It went and, on yeah. for months. It went on for a while, and after months. about a month of that shit, and we were on the yeah. roof with yelling a megaphone yelling back at them like what the hell are we doing yeah we are shooting ourselves in the foot we're borrowing from ourselves in the future handing all this money out mm -hmm. we're destroying the economy open everything up we had a couple people yelling back at us from the roofs yeah both of it. we had some people yelling yeah. in agreement yes. we had a lot of people that were not telling happy. me to shut up and all this stuff no i'm not going to shut up if you can make noise i'm going to come up here and make some noise too and you're, <laughs> you're going to have to listen the way i have Get to listen to yes. your, to we don't give a fuck. so that was the first start of it you know where we're just like screw it but even before that we were already posting about this stuff we were op yeah. very open from the beginning and even when it came to like the shot mandates and all that stuff we're like watch that's gonna happen they're gonna uh -huh. mandate that shit and we were right um fast forward a bit by the end of the year of 2020 we had decided we were gonna do this show that was already a thought you know we already had the name and all that stuff we're like yes we're gonna start the podcast you know we're not gonna shut up we're gonna really talk about this stuff and take it serious and we heard about Jan 6. 
And one of our first journalistic adventures was we went to DC on January 6th. Uh -oh. Brent's, it was Brent's idea. He was like, I'm going to go. Something's going to happen. I'm like, I don't think we should go, man. It's going to be crazy. And he's like, no, I'm going. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm not letting you go alone. So we did. We got an Airbnb and we went over there. We took video. We took photos, talked to people. We wanted to see, like, why are you here? Like, to really get that on the ground perspective of, like, why are these people here? What, what do they really think? And yeah, I got like a good half dozen, yeah. you know, just interviews from people, just normal people on the ground outside yeah. in the building and obviously talking we, about why they were there. We and had we had questions ourselves about how the thing played out. I won't say the thing, right. the F. The, yeah, uh, you can't, can't, get, can't, I can't talk, talk about, about it on YouTube. Can't do that. Yeah, yeah. So, a secret word, like how bananas played out. <laughs> how bananas played out. Yeah. Fast forward a bit. Um, at the time, my residence wasn't here in New York. My residence was in Elizabeth, New Jersey still mm -hmm. on paper, I, although I wasn't really there that much at the time. Uh, fast forward a bit. The end of January, the FBI shows up in New Jersey to question me. No. They, yeah. So some wow. uh, family friend who was living there let them in stupidly they scared the living crap out of my grandma who was like 80 at the time she was just like what is this why are you guys here my grandson's not a criminal he's an artist he, he's a painter like he doesn't yeah. you know he didn't do anything wrong and they knew about brent they asked all these questions they flashed their badge and then that was that you know my brother calls me afterward and he's like dude the fbi just showed up looking for they didn't you. leave a card which was odd. didn't leave a card so we were just like what the hell's going on we, i called the nork office in new jersey and I called um, the New York office. I, uh -huh. Well, I called both. I talked to both oh, of them. You know, I mean, you yeah. talked to one, I talked to the other. Oh, I don't remember. That was a whirlwind. So I talked to them, you know, in Newark, and I'm like, you know, the FBI showed up. They're, are you guys looking for me? They had no idea what I was talking about. They asked, did they leave a card? I said, no. They're like, that doesn't sound like the FBI. You should call your local law enforcement. Maybe you're being staked out for a robbery or something like that. So I did. I called the Elizabeth Police Department. I let them know. Um, just to be safe. And then we called New the New York City office as well. And they had no idea of anything either. And then for a whole week, we were just holed up in the apartment waiting for that buzzer to ring for them to show up here. And they never did. Um, I was excited. I had a camera ready. I was yeah, we were ready. We were going to record <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah, right? <laughs> After a while, we just got really sick of the energy here. We got just so tired of it. We were segregated because of the masks and the shots and all that stuff. We couldn't really do anything so anyway. We had a friend who had a yeah. house down in Florida who invited us to yeah. come stay with him. So that's what we did. Yeah, and so then... March, we, March 2021, we went to Florida and we were staying <laughs> with a friend there for a while. And we're up and down, you know, yeah. New York, Florida, a couple of times. Yeah, we, 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 we came back. back in like May, I think. We were Fa there. Fast forward a bit. We come back from New York. We're there for a little bit. And then at the beginning of yeah. June, the FBI show up again, this time the Florida Melbourne office, and specifically looking for Brent this time. So I had a brief yeah. chat with them oh. outside the door, okay. you know, and they're. And I asked them about the the Jersey visit. They claimed to not have to know anything about that, which is possible. Um, and then, uh, you know, they were like, oh, well, obviously, you know, we wanted to talk to you about Jan 6. Are you willing to discuss that? And I was like, uh, no. no. I'm not that a lawyer. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yeah. This is very politically charged. It was like, brief. I'm not trying to, you know, yeah. incriminate myself or anything. So we recorded that. We so I got that recorded. Posted it online, put it on the channel, you know. Up. Because, look, after that first visit, 
and then a lot of it was very chilling after that. Yeah, after that first visit, yeah. there was just like, all right, you a know, lot of I, people dissociated. Well, yeah. even before that, I had to, like I shut down social media. I like had to take a break from everything and really like assess. You know, we had to think about this. You know, because suddenly what we were doing became much more serious. Daniel was getting trolled by you know an army of teenagers, probably using anonymous accounts. That was like late 2020 oh, yeah, instagram that was a lot, right. a lot of anime was there a lot of anime some of that pictures? so they yeah. were former students i used to be a substitute yeah. teacher in new jersey for about five years and um yeah i had i had these anonymous students i knew they were students because the way they were talking to me calling me mr delafay all this stuff like i'm so disappointed in you you were the cool teacher this and this and that i'm killing grandma i'm putting people at risk i'm racist i'm all these things you know coordinating yeah. their harassment via group text yes and then yeah. sending screenshots of the group texts so that was like the first like cancellation and then once we went to jan 6 and then the feds showed up you know i i talked about that too online and people just vanished from my life. Maybe like a handful, I can count on one hand, who actually reached out and said, wow, that must be really scary. I'm sorry that happened to you. Are you okay, Dan? Like, no, yeah. friends I knew my entire life, people that I thought would have been there for me, just gone. I didn't hear shit from them anymore. My, my aunt was helping me, you know, with an employment situation. And she just, she, she was like, you went, you were in DC on Gen Sex. And I was like, yeah, we went down to shoot video and talk to people. It was a really interesting, you know, time. Never heard back. Never heard back. Yeah. Never called me back yeah. again. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So this is like a little weird. You know, after that first in visit in late January, 2021, you know, I shut down social media for like a month. I took a long break from it and just kind of had, we had to assess like, are we going to keep doing this? You know, or do we just go back to the quiet life? Because like the saying that we kept thinking of is, you know, you knock on the devil's door. Sometimes the devil answers. Yeah. And that's kind of what happened. It's like suddenly what we were doing became very real and serious. It's like once you have the feds at your door, it's like, all right, you're, clearly you're doing something that has caught people's attention. And then we decided, like, no, we are going to continue doing the show. So once we went to Florida and all that stuff um, that April, we set everything up there and we went full in with the podcast and we've been doing it pretty consistently ever since then. And we just decided we're going to get louder. We're not going to shut up. We're, we're going to keep sharing our views. And we're going to have every uncomfortable, controversial conversation about anything that they don't want us to talk about. That's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about it. So Good. Fantastic. Good yeah. for you. But, man, wow. it was crazy, dude. You know, yeah. and it's, it's like your story. It's very similar. Like, people just... They turn on you or they disappear. People you don't are fickle. Hear from them anymore. People are, you know, people are fickle. They don't, but you know. It doesn't make it less hurtful, especially when it's people that that you've known for so they're, long. They're Self-involved, exactly. You know, all of a sudden, yeah, I know. You I now are inspiring this negative emotion, sure. and all they can think is about, oh, he makes me feel icky. Yeah. I don't want to. Well, I think part yeah. of it is I had a, I was in a gamer group, you know, a bunch of gay guys in a video game group that played oh, yeah. you know games together. Yeah. And I got into it. One of the guys on the jab mandates. And, you know, he started accusing me of, you know, make all these things about how, you know, I, my rhetoric was making it, you know, more likely that people were going to were going to pass away. And I just I was like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> I was just like, I'm not going to sit here and yeah. we're trying to play some video games. I'm not trying to get a lecture about, you know, an experimental medical procedure. You it's know? All, yeah. it's yeah. also that stuff is how we came up with the show name because people kept saying that that's some dangerous rhetoric multiple, you guys are spouting. Multiple yeah. people accused me of dangerous <laughs> rhetoric. And really, it's just because that phrase was used in the media a couple times in right. referring to Trump and Trump supporters and all that stuff. So dangerous if you were talking that yeah. way, that, that yeah. was what they were 
accuse you of. So I'm like, that's our name. We're going to just trademark that. Like, okay, dangerous rhetoric. Like, Fantastic. Yeah. No, and you know, that's what they, they like to, they like to, the left especially loves to do this thing where anything they disagree with politically, mm -hmm. ideologically becomes dangerous or unsafe. And yeah, so right. they attack you as sort of a purveyor of violence or, or carnage. Well, now it's, uh, what is it, stochastic? Stochastic terrorism, terrorism is the new yeah. thing. Now oh, yeah, yeah. You're because who can argue with safety? I mean, don't you want people to be safe? Who can argue? Yeah, right? Don't you want things to not yes. be dangerous? Who can argue with that? What, you don't like, you like racism? You know, what is this? I mean, that's how they win every time. But but it takes people like you, of course, they like, fuck you, this is bullshit. And I'm not going yeah. to um, subscribe to that. Uh, it, I've talked to so many, it seems, I've talked to so many gay guys who either came out <laughs> or or left the, the left. It was either 2016 or lockdowns. Those were like the two big moments. I've met yes. so many recently that were like, it was lockdowns for me. And I was like, I, I, I had no idea that that was as big of a moment because I was yes, already like, yeah losing my mind no it was a huge moment man <laughs> yeah. especially the mandates the shot mandates like that's like like dude we're in new york city this is supposed to be like you know statue of liberty like this is supposed to yeah. be the the center of freedom and liberty and america or just you know stuff. do whatever the fuck you want yeah. as long as you don't get in the other person's yes. way everybody's fine right. we all get along whatever you so, do you i do me and now all of a sudden it's all about you know oh you need to do things to protect me yeah. like what where did that like how is that new york yeah. at all wasn't that the most incredible thing? But we're, as you said, we think New York is this place of absolute individual liberty. You know, it's founded no. on the Dutch free market system. And it sort of yes. separates us from like Boston, for example, where everyone wants to control what you do. Okay. We're like, no, in New York, it's the live and let live, live your life. And then this came along. And so many of us realized how many of our neighbors are absolute fucking fascists. Yeah, authoritarian. I had no idea yep. you lived among so many authoritarians. Yeah. And what do you think when you still see people wearing masks around? I'm like, like, what, like, I'm, what do you think is like the psychology behind that? It's sad. I think, it, you I know, think to me, it's just, I think some people were broken. Broken. Yeah, yeah. psychologically by yeah. everything that happened. I think there are definitely a few who will probably never let that go. They'll probably right. wear that shit. And it was only, oh, only yeah, yeah, within yeah. the last yeah. year or so that you were allowed to criticize mask wearing yeah. in public on YouTube. That was a change. Oh, yeah. yep. You know, before, if we were to we were to have this discussion, you know, two years ago, this could this, they could nuke it. Yep. Could yeah. Violation. Yeah. yeah. It's wow. just insane. But to see some of the, like, the strictest policies, draconian policies enacted in a place like New York City and, and to be, like, literally segregated because I wouldn't put a particular substance into my body an experimental yeah. substance in my body it's insane it's it, it yes it, it was a turning point for a lot of people and if they didn't leave the left and go to the right they definitely left the left and went homeless politically right you know yeah. and I, i'm yep. still kind of politically homeless like yeah we voted republican in the last election you know kind of I joined the Republican Party. Yeah, so it was oh, like it was kind of like a it was more like a first fuck time you vote. Like although years. we were voting for certain things, not just against the Democrats. But I still yeah. consider myself an independent, very much so. I don't have that party loyalty, and I probably never will. But what it comes down to is Republicans are more willing to talk with me. They're more willing to have mm -hmm. discussions. I can hold a few liberal views around them, and they're not going to tell me to go away and fuck off, and or, I don't want to talk with you. Yeah. Yes. It's, you don't find that on the other side yes. anymore. Nope. They just you they refuse. So right. They don't want to be seen to be associating with you. It becomes a moral. They, they yes. morally indict you based on. They call it platforming. They need to deplatform you by talking to you. That's like in their head. They're somehow supporting you in some way. So they just can't even do that at all. They and isn't it so fascinating that, that they they that they paint the right as a bunch of rubes and 
inbred yeah. rednecks and Christian fanaticists. And yet, as someone who 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 didn't necessarily believe that, because I grew up in the South, I've known you know Republicans, conservatives my whole life. But um, when you're on the right, you realize like all the interesting conversations are happening on this side. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is the left talking about? Like, what, what are their debates? Like, what are they talking about? At least like on the right, if they're debating like gay marriage or something, it gets interesting when they start talking about it and they start talking about the implications of that, whether you're on one side or the other, and it's conversations people want to have. What the fuck are they talking about on the on the left? Like, who's like like who's more oppressed? I don't know. That, whatever. Yeah. Insert stupid oppression Olympic jokes yeah. here. Um, it's like it, it, it's so fascinating. Um, uh, and uh, I had something else to say, but I forgot. Go ahead. I think you. No, yeah, but it, the oppression Olympics is basically the majority of their conversation. Is uh, but also Boy, like, can you imagine if that was your yeah. life and your friends and the news? It you sounds watch? yeah. Or they debate reparations. That's a, that's one I saw. Apparently, yeah. oh yeah, what's yeah. the amount? Yeah. Uh, interestingly, I saw a news story coming out of the UK. The UK really off the deep end with some of this wokeism. Like they seem uh -huh. really, I would say they are the vanguard of the woke movement when it comes to seeing it uh, institutionalized in government policy. Uh -huh. The Archbishop of Canterbury just recently came out. Canada as well. And Canada oh, yeah. too. But they're, I mean, they're kind of in the UK. Yeah, that's true. Um, Commonwealth. Well, I think they are all the common water. Um, but they, he came out and they're do, putting like 200 million pounds aside for like reparation style programs they're going to be investments into i guess the descendants of slaves somehow they're also going to do more research into the the, the church of england and how they can they, they contributed to the the slavery problem which is really ironic because you know the church of england and a, a lot of christian abolitionists specifically were the people doing the work back in the you know 19th century of getting slavery made illegal and then yeah. England yeah. was the first one to send yeah. actual privateers and, and yep. official vessels to go and stop the slave ships. Yeah. So it's yeah. like all this history is just like... Yeah. It's like Douglas a, Murray talked about that on, I forgot what episode it was, but he has a, a series out now called Uncancelled History. And he right. talked all about that. It's just like, like England was at the forefront of this stuff and getting rid of that. And they didn't even have to fight a civil war over it. So oh, yeah, absolutely. it's weird to see this stuff happening over there. But like, how much reparations do I get for being 5% African? Do I get any? I don't know. Can you can you prove that you were a descendant of an American slave? Uh, I would have to trace some things back, but I can show them a DNA test. <laughs> I don't think that counts. That doesn't count. Well, yeah, that well, counts. Obama and Harris aren't getting shit because neither one of them are slave descended blacks. They Which get is credit, really though. interesting too. They get credit for they it. Get credit. No, they get credit as they were, but that, but they're not culturally or uh, they're not slave descended blacks. But I don't want to talk about that. Uh, uh, no, no, no. Also, yeah. the fact, wasn't it uh, Obama's brother really doesn't like him? Malik Obama is hilarious. Fascinating <laughs> yeah. subject. Interesting. Like, I, I stumbled onto that rabbit hole on Twitter once, and I was like, wait, Malik Obama? I was like, is his brother? And his brother hates him. And I'm like reading some yeah. of the stuff that his, bro his, his brother has said about uh, he was a big Obama. Trump supporter, the brother. Yeah. All should, like Trump 2020. Oh my God, if we get Malik Obama, <laughs> Malik Obama on the show. It's ridiculous to just sit here and make fun of Brock. Yeah, so totally. Funny. Uh, yeah, that'd be a great way to have the FBI show up again. So I guess uh, one of the other things I wanted to talk to you about is, you know, you mentioned you're not allowed in your local gay bars and stuff like that. And like, do you feel like the gay scene has changed dramatically since 2016? Or was it already something that was kind of, changed and when did that start to take place when when did this whole thing become so insular and or, or, or were the gays in new york always just mean girls is that how it how it's always been good question i mean i think it was 
I think it was inching up. I think it was always there. I think it snuck up on us. And 2016 was what really exposed what was kind of happening in people's psyches, you know? Um, because I come from the, 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 I guess it's more the sort of libertarian minded gay. I'm, I'm 39. I'm an old millennial. So I'm like of the live and let live, you know, uh, uh philosophy, but all the shit that's been sneaking in with, the. uh, the drag shows with kids, like I never yeah. thought I'd see that in my lifetime. Yeah. You know, like all these older gays. I know. So I have a friend who's actually at Stonewall. He was arrested at Stonewall. His name's Wilson, and um, uh, he's just this cranky old queen from the Bronx who's fabulous, and I fucking love him. And he <laughs> is uh, tells you know tell what what really happens at night. Like basically every gay person in New York believes that a trans woman of color threw the first brick at Stonewall. Of which there were neither bricks yes. to throw nor trans women of color. That's that's the myth nor now. Of, yeah, yeah, nor or any of color really, because as Wilson tells it, he was like it was a white gay bar. It wasn't racist. Yeah. There was like the Spanish gay bar, the black gay bar, the white gay bar, uh, and there were no trans there. And trans didn't exist. There were you know maybe drag queens and crossdressers. That term transgender, of course, did not exist. Yeah. So the historical revisionism we have happening with, with the gay scene here. So funny enough. Um, so there's several gay bars in my neighborhood that I'm not allowed into, and I don't care. I don't, I, you know, despite having gone. You're explicitly like, not allowed? I'm explicitly not allowed because of my politics. <laughs> and I swear to God, so over the weekend, people never believe me. And so twice down, one time I was over this weekend, I had someone in from out of town, and we had dinner here in the neighborhood and killing time before a birthday party. And he's like, let's go to this gay bar. And I'm like, I'm not allowed in. He's like, yeah, right, bullshit. Blah, blah. I'm like, I'm telling you, I'm not allowed in. I've been trying to go to this bar in like five or six years. And so I'm like, okay, let's go. So we walk in there. There's three sad, ugly old queens sitting at the bar. And the bartender who's bored off his tits is sitting there. And he looks up at me and like perks up. And he's like, Chadwick. And I was like, hey, his name's Wade. He's a real piece of shit. And I was like, I, was like, hey, I can't believe I even remembered his name. I haven't thought about this person in forever. And I was like, I was like, hey, Wade, what's going on? And uh, he walks over and he's like, hey, how you been? And I was like, fine, how are you? I'm great. And he's like, good. I'm like, great, I'll have a beer. And he's like, you know, I think you're still 86 from here. <laughs> I started laughing so hard because I was like, and my, my person I was with was just like, are you serious? Is this really happening? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, dude, I told you. It was so petty and so childish that I almost had to respect it. I'm like, it, it's so incredibly petty. You people are, are, have literally nothing going on. You're gonna make $30 tonight. Yeah. And you won't let me have a beer at seven o'clock. Um, not that I wanted to anyway, but uh, just to prove a point. So yeah, I'm not allowed. Uh, and if I, there's several others if I try to go into. Surely, purely over politics, because I make people feel unsafe. The first time this happened, I was at um, the Metropolitan Bar here in Williamsburg. And um, I had, there was no one in there. There's like two people. I stopped in on my way home from the subway and uh, had a beer. And I was like sitting in the back garden. Like, I think I was like writing a story in my phone or something. And the bartender came up to me. I think it was the same one. I think it was this way, but I can't remember. And he was like, uh, you know, I'm gonna have to ask you to leave. And I said, why? And he said, you're making people feel unsafe. <laughs> Your presence <laughs> like, is dangerous, Chad. There was no one else in the backyard. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, I just ordered this beer. And he's like, oh, I'll give you your money back. And I was like, this is so funny. Um, so these queens, I mean, I remember a time when gay people were, uh, well, kind of doing what we're doing. They yeah. were, they were, they wanted to challenge norms. They wanted to hold a mirror up to society. They were especially good at it. You know, like we were, we were. Yeah, a we lot of us, great. a lot of us were like great artists and poets. Yes. And like, yeah. that was the point. You hold and, a mirror up to society. Exactly. And I think a reason that we do gravitate towards 
uh, and why gay people, I think, excel in communications and the, and the arts being a form of communications, whether it's writing or, or sculpture or uh, floral design uh, or, or PR, is I think because we grew up knowing, we, knowing that we were different and we were somehow on the yeah. outside. So we spent a lot of time observing people and a lot yes. of time watching people and watching for clues in people and trying to navigate society very much in, in that way. And I think that's, that's just my that, opinion. That's, of why a really, that's an interesting way to look at it. I never yeah. quite looked at it like that. That, that's yeah that's sort of what I've, I've always felt about why there's certain industries that we're good at and and but now we are the mainstream like we're the establishment and look at what it's done to us it's turned yeah. us into a bunch of little fucking tyrants yeah and it's so disgusting <laughs> to watch these gays with their with their jab mandates it's it's like the first i don't know if you remember this but the first bar in new york before there was a vaccine mandate um where they required the card to go in was the eagle you know the sex club on 10th oh avenue oh my god that's the funny sex club on 10th avenue that's before the funny. city acquired it was was saying you need a, a a proof of vaccination to enter so i'm like well do they require an hiv test too because they should or a proof that you're on prep or a recent yeah. std test no it was just covid and then of course when monkeypox came around i'm like you know i wanted to call the eagle up like, well i hope you're gonna require proof of a monkeypox vaccine for people to come in there but no it was just covid and like why is this because obviously we know covid is not scary it killed Maybe realistically, I would guess a hundred thousand people, which is which is tantamount to a very severe flu yeah. season. Many, um, will, that, that's not, many will contest those numbers, but right. I, oh, I sorry, I'm, oh shit, I forgot we're yeah. on YouTube. Like, no, it's okay, like that, but right? I think you no, know. I don't think the number thing is we, that we can speculate changed. about that. I, I personally, I think it's just hard to even know right now how much died directly from it. But I, yeah. I don't think well, it we, can be as knew, high as we they knew said. that we knew for a fact that during the, you know, the first year or so of the pandemic that they were just let, writing COVID down for everything yeah. like that. Yeah. That, the, you know, the CDC well, the hospital, director the hospitals were incentivized to do that. They're getting yes, 30 right. grand per COVID yeah. patient. They, they weren't considering. Yeah. And then there, weights, was, their there was a pretty big study uh, in retrospect that, that did the actual IFR to find out what the actual infection fatality rate was and they found it was like like it, it varied between 0.02 and 0.03 percent right so it was very 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 low yes. and you know at the time if you recall they were throwing numbers around like 10 percent ifr that they were expecting 10 percent of the people that got COVID to die from it yeah and it was nowhere anywhere they were off by multiple orders yes. of magnitude substantially right. so yeah. and and the entire time remember in cnn counting the numbers and then project oh, yeah. veritas doing that release where they were like oh that that number thing is gangbusters we just gotta yeah, keep yeah, that yeah. up there like <laughs> that keeps people tuned in it was just like it was such an obvious cash grab and and today and the fact that the shots are still Actually, I can't. I can't even get into that part. Yeah, we have to. I'm gonna censor myself a yeah, little bit because I'm gonna get angry. It is. It is really ironic, though, to find that the Eagle were the ones who mandated. Isn't that amazing? I see some shit in the Eagle. I've when never, I say that, I've never I mean been that in there. literally. Yeah, okay. I've never been in there. You, yeah, when you say you've seen some shit at the Eagle, you mean like you know on people, right? Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally, exactly. Um, I think that is the moment. That's the roundabout way. Of, that was the moment where it was. There was undeniably something had drastically changed in the gay community from uh, something that was um, fun and exciting and subversive and, um, and and the eagle kind of being the pinnacle of that, uh, that was outside the mainstream in a way that was um, exciting, which the gay community used to always be, or at least a way that was uh, uh, challenged the mainstream into a bunch of nannies and mamby-pambies and finger-waggers and scolds and and 
and uh, petty tyrants, which is what they've come yay, which is horrible. I mean, I guess these people should never have gotten the kind of power that they now have because look what happened to them. I guess they were better yeah. behaved when they were oppressed. So <laughs> one of the things, another thing I wanted to talk about, and this is something I've been coming to realize recently is, well, one, conservative values, even moderate conservative values are the counterculture. Now it's countercultural to value family. It's countercultural having kids to have is like kids. rebellious. Yeah. It's rebellious. Yeah. It's countercultural to be disciplined and to want right. to discipline yourself. It's countercultural. You only to... want to sleep with one person at a time. What's wrong with you? It's yeah. countercultural yeah, yeah, yeah. to like take responsibility for yourself to not blame everyone else for your life. Working out shitty. is now is now white supremacy. Yeah, working out yeah. is white supremacy. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> one of the things I'm coming to realize and it's that I I think gay men will actually benefit more from taking on some conservative values. And I'm not saying like, oh, like go into the heteronormative society and try to be like all the straight people. That's not what I'm saying, but maybe we should emulate a little bit more of those values. I think it would be better for us as people, as individuals, but also for society as a whole. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, maybe, right. maybe stop being slutty, maybe yeah. stop treating your body like like a like a garbage can and, and putting all these drugs in there maybe grow the fuck and up and steroids. stop partying every single freaking damn weekend multiple times a week or whatever um maybe take on something meaningful take on some responsibility maybe commit to someone to something instead yeah. of just living your life willy-nilly into your 30s and your 40s and your 50s and there is so much peter pan syndrome amongst right. gay men gay men and it, there's a lot of reasons for that <laughs> yes we all have it i think we all have it to some degree and it's yeah. taken a while for us to see those aspects of ourselves and to grow in those ways and there are different reasons for it you know there's trauma there's you know growing up and feeling ostracized and different like you said there's a lot of reasons i think that our growth is stunted a, a big one is not having kids we're not suddenly right. thrust into that experience of having to be a parent and therefore having to like care really deeply about another being that is not us and I think, you know, because we don't have that, it's why it's probably a little more important to impress some conservative values onto gay men and say, hey, maybe maybe this would be better for you, healthier for you and for society as a whole. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, you, you said something um, when we first started talking about how uh, that, that rang so true to me about how um, your liberal friends are back then, how, that, something about them. Uh, blaming other people for their problems all the time yeah. and wallowing in themselves, which was, it's, it's always like the, the biggest thing with the difference between my friends then and my friends now is my friends now. And I, I realized the extent to which my, my friends back then, and I recognized at the time, just all they did was bitch yeah. and feel sorry for themselves. Yeah. All they did. Bitching, because it's fun to bitch is one thing, but when you're bitching in like a really like, you know, we're sitting here bitching and it's fun, but like, but, but you know, there's something more to it. Yeah. Perpetually, super perpetually disenfranchised. That's, yes, that's yes. the mentality, the victim yeah. mentality where you feel like everything's against yeah. you. Your life sucks only because of all of these mm -hmm. outside forces. And I'm not saying there aren't outside yeah. forces that have nothing to do with our circumstances. Obviously they're all like right. the lockdowns, the mandates, those are all outside forces. Well, those that, are, yeah, yes, exactly. certainly made me feel like victimized, but I'm not going to walk around and pretend 
to be this perpetual victim. And I think gay men and minorities in general, like we're taught by the left that that's how we're supposed to view ourselves, that we need to be coddled, that we need our hand held in order to get anywhere in, in America and society as a whole. And I don't think that's healthy for us. I think, you know, we need more Jordan Peterson. Sorry, I'm going to say we need people who are going to look at us and say, well, no, maybe you're not good the way you are. Maybe you could be better. You know, maybe maybe there's all these things wrong with you and you're lying to yourself about all these things and you're not maximizing your potential and you're not perfect the way you are. Fix yeah. yourself, clean your damn room, pick up a, a burden and lift it, you know? Instead, we're told like whine, cry, blame. And it's like, where the hell does that get anyone? Because I will tell you from personal experience, that's not what got me anywhere in life. It right. was when I started to go away from that mentality that my life started to change and my mentality started to change. We, we need a gay conservative role model like Jordan Peterson. I propose George Santos. George Santos. <laughs> <laughs> He's in trouble, girl. <laughs> have you seen Have you seen the latest on him? Oh, uh, did he lie about being the first person to get COVID or something? Was that no, a there's some campaign finance. Oh, well, see, that might be uh -oh. the bad Apparently, stuff. his books were really sloppy. Hmm. Oh. Uh, and, and a couple of people left his campaign over the fact that they were sloppy. Hmm. So she's going to be getting investigated because you know what? I don't think anybody's I happy. I hope she doesn't resign. Uh, I, I don't think, think I don't think she hilarious. will. I think it's great because I think Congress is a joke anyway. So I think it's fucking <laughs> hilarious. Why not have him there? <laughs> you see this little? I just do you see this this evil little twink that felt that's his assistant? I don't know no. if he's evil or not. Check out my Twitter because I just posted a video. There's this, there's this monster that is his assistant who is so terrifying. I'm obsessed with this person. I just saw it today. Oh, I saw him too on the video when she was him? at the at the yeah yeah yeah. With some reporters, I'm like, this kid is 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 absolutely terrifying. Is there He's a video of it? To, uh, yeah, yeah yeah. You got to see this guy. Um, can we play that? Or they can? Yeah, it's not can a copyright play. strike. We right? can play it. Hold on. Pull it over here. <laughs> okay, look at this kid. This guy. He's like a little shih tzu. This guy. <laughs> look at him. He's like, excuse me, we need personal space. Personal space. Thank personal you. Personal space. Personal space. Look at that kid. This is <laughs> terrifying. He's a monster. I'm obsessed with him. I'm totally obsessed with him. He looks so soft. I want to write a profile of that guy. That's why you that sound. Yeah. Who is he? Who is he? And, and the fact that he's working for George Santos now, like he voluntarily shamelessly his... went into that role. That man is going. That man is no. going places. I'm telling that's you. That's his house is. boy. That's that his house point. boy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Definitely I want him to work boy. for me. Oh my god! I want him to work for me. <laughs> you call him a shinsu. No, you want that little. No, you want that little. <laughs> look, did you see the look? <laughs> look at him. Pomeranian. Oh my god! Pomeranian going after reporters for you. Wouldn't you love that? <laughs> Personal space. So Personal space. <laughs> I don't know. It's just he looks really soft though, and this this is another thing that I've noticed. Um, I feel like so many gay men. <sighs> And I'm not saying there aren't gay men who are more naturally effeminate. I know there are, yeah. you know, that's just how they are. I think a lot of them take on that affectation mm -hmm. to fit into that general community because they're afraid of being looked at as attempting to be straight or being heteronormative instead yeah. of just embracing that they are men, that they can be masculine. And it used to not be that way. You know, I know like the gay scene and like the like pre like Stonewall, like, 
gay men could be masculine and they'll you know they'll argue like that's because they had to hide more and they were in the closet but i think so bro bro. i think i think there's there's like a there's a fear of that now amongst the woke types like even if they might naturally be that way i think a lot of them are putting on this affectation of yas queen and all that i put it on i don't know i don't really do that i don't really do that i mean i have my other effeminate traits i'm neurotic and i'm a poet and a painter and all that mushy (laughs) shit but I'm still a man, you know, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with being gay and, and being masculine and trying yeah. to, you know, just embrace your masculinity and not run away from that. And so many gay men, man, they're just, they're soft. They're, they're just, like, just female. And I think it's why they've yeah, become yeah, yeah. this, this, this sort of like these nanny type people that you're talking about finger wagging and all this shit. It's funny. Cause in my professional life, I've been a nanny. Like, don't, don't rock the boat. <laughs> don't question this because it's all about people's feelings. You don't want to hurt people's feelings. It's like, no, we need people to stand up and speak out and to channel that masculine energy. That's yeah. the fact that we don't have that is how shit has gone in the direction that it's gone in now. Like, imagine if, if more men stood up and actually channeled that energy. Like, the lockdowns would have never happened. The mask man oh, yeah. would have never happened. They would have said, I'm not wearing this fucking shit. Yeah. And that's another thing, too. Like, I actually, I knew more gay men who were standing up against that stuff. Based gay men. Yeah. Than like straight guys in my life. And yeah, straight guys in society. Where the hell were the heterosexual men? Like, <laughs> remember, um, remember gays over COVID? Remember that no. Instagram account that was no. only about it was only about um, shaming gays who were like partying in Puerto Vallarta and shit during lockdown, <laughs> and they were like, <laughs> and it was always like hot, you know, hot porn star looking gay guys who were like off partying in, in Puerto Vallarta, and it turned out some of them were like doctors who were like that. They, they like doxed them, and their private Instagrams were like, "Wear your mask and we're in a pandemic." Oh and they're like partying Puerto Vallarta. Yeah, but yeah, I think you're right. If more people would stand up, um, uh, well, I mean, in, in the in the states where men are men and they know how to shoot guns and like fix yes. the engine, the yep. lockdowns didn't happen. It's only in places right. in New York City where men. Uh, if they, you know, if there's a coffee shortage, they kill themselves. That's how fragile yeah. they are. Starbies so, is closed. Yeah. yeah it, what? <laughs> and and if it did happen, it was very brief. Like Florida, I th- you know, they locked down for like a couple months, but like by September they were open already and everything yeah. was going back to normal. And right. I think that is, yeah, a huge part of it is like. Well, honestly, I think the Second Amendment is a huge part of it. Like, look at places like Canada. Yeah. You know, that doesn't have that 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 type of protection and look at look at australia oh my god how, right, how yeah. freaking tyrannical did it become over there and there are people who are disarmed so yeah i think you know even, even if they can still convince enough people in the way that they did in america and scare them in, into that compliant behavior the one preventative thing that really stopped the government from pushing it just a little too far right. the way china mm-hmm. would have you know has done in the way australia did is that the people are armed you know yes. it's it's a huge factor it's one yes. of the reasons that the second amendment exists like I, mean, I, saw a meme. So I don't know if it's true but i saw a meme that there's like 400 400 some million guns in america held by the citizens which is more guns than all of the militaries and the rest of the planet combined that's <laughs> like that can't that's, be i right. hope that's true that's fantastic <laughs> i think it i think there is i think it's 400 million guns or something i think that, well, that right. i mean that sounds right yeah. there's you know, 300 some million of us and yeah. a lot of the people that have guns tend to have more than one they got a lot of guns yeah yeah well we're gonna make friends with some of them um yeah the, the, with the second amendment it's like when you're on the left because i was one of those like free speech you know, left i still am but you know one of those sort of live, live, live free speech lefties um but you don't 
you don't think about why the right likes the Second Amendment so much. What's this? Your ancestors? <laughs> It reminded me of your comment about like not having your favorite coffee and stuff like, yeah, like yeah. this is New Yorkers, you know, this is, oh, this yeah, is how totally. they are. But exactly. I was looking at these memes like last night and they were just cracking. That's the wrong They screen. were just cracking me up like oh, so this one. Your ancestors who hunted woolly mammoths with their bare hands looking down on you for complaining about how your Uber Eats order always takes so long. <laughs> your ancestors who conquered continents at the age of 15 watching you take Zinn, Adderall, coffee, and Xanax just to get out of bed and do the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's like... He's still <laughs> smoking blueberry paint. Yeah, so it's just... Ah, uh, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's just when your ancestors who worship their respected cows for centuries watching you blame their farts for destroying the environment. <laughs> but it's like, this is the coddle culture, man. And it's like... Right. And the gays have become like the stormtroopers for it in a way. Yeah. Like they're the ones enforcing it. Like the be nice program. Enough of that shit, man. Yeah, be mean. That'd be nice. <laughs> or at least yeah, be honest. And even if it sounds mean, be right. honest. They're yeah. afraid to even be we're honest. Just, like we're so we're as a society, we're just so conflict avoidant where we we see, you know, intellectual combat or disagreement as a prelude to physical yes. violence. Yes. And yeah. so people can't handle, you know, having tense discussions about important issues like abortion or or you know god or or you know the nature of homosexuality so the, there are things. there are actually interesting biological reasons for that and i learned this stuff from um robert sapolsky i don't know if you guys have ever heard of him he's a primatologist he studies monkeys and i used to like watch some of his lectures a monkey dance. yes he has the big beard like in the really long hair with the glasses he yeah. just looks so professor and you know he basically he talked about the brain chemistry and how our brain chemistry is the same in many ways to these primates and that when we are criticized or someone disagrees with us those same areas of the brain uh, that activate when you're under attack activate so mm -hmm. people do lit like physically literally neurologically they do feel like that they are being attacked in some way and their defense mechanisms go up so they respond in the same way and it's the same when we're like watching a like a tv show he talks about like or you're watching a movie and you see you know someone being like hurt or a character that you care about is like in pain or whatever and it's like we feel that pain and our yeah. brain is reacting to that as if it's real when we know that what we're watching is a movie and it's fiction right. and it's not real Simulated. so yeah. it's yeah. a very interesting thing about humans yeah 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 that um uh what 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 you're saying earlier with the uh, like gay men being you know effeminate you think they're more effeminate now I think it makes a lot of sense with, I mean, I think there's a difference between, um, uh, you know, kind of like in group, the way you talk with your friends or whatever, you can be with your gay yeah. friends and talk like a silly fag and like, uh, oh, I'm, oh, can I not say that? That's other? fine. No, that's, <laughs> that's fine. Okay. Yeah. You got permission. You're like, I, I actually, I had, I had to do research. I had to do research on whether or not you could say fag on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. And as long as you are gay and are using it in a self-centrifugal oh. you know, well, sort of like, just, Fabulous. All right. Yeah. So, yeah we're That's fine. Uh, you know, you can like talk, you know, with your friends, like talk like a silly bag and, and it's fun and whatever and silly. But uh, I think there's a general with gay people. I think gay people in um, uh, the black community as well have like the pressure for in-group homogeny, especially where it comes to behavior. And, and yeah, I think the gay people are so scared of being canceled. They see what happens to people like us. They're so terrified. They sacrifice so much because 
they uh, feel like they won't get dick. They feel like their social life will be over. They feel like they won't get laid. And so they do so much to conform. If one of those things means like, like sissing it up so people don't think they're trying too hard to be too masculine yeah. uh, or, or downplaying their accomplishments or, you know, not, uh, uh, I don't know, any number of things. You could the think irony, of. They though, don't is do that because the, the, irony, the pressure is there. The irony, though, is they all want that masculine guy. They do. Yeah, of course. They all want to bang a Republican. I mean, like, <laughs> why are all the village people like conservative stereotypes, like the cop and the cowboy and the construction worker? Yeah. Uh, those are the, I mean, there's no porn where some like, you know, you don't watch a porn with like a non-binary railing, another non-binary. Nobody's <laughs> ever had a sex fantasy about a non-binary. I'm sorry. It's never happened. Like, not once. <laughs> so I think this kind of ties back into what I was saying earlier. And it's like, look, maybe, maybe you're going to lose a lot of opportunity to get dick sure if you spoke out and you actually showed your true self and you shared your true opinions and you didn't didn't put on or this employment. facade and this and that or employment or whatever but maybe it goes back to what i was saying earlier maybe you should just stop chasing dick around maybe find one good man and see if you could well, commit to one good yeah. man yeah, <laughs> yeah, try I, that you know yeah and the other thing is that, is that other opportunities open and you don't want that dick anyway you know what yeah. i mean if you're yes. already on the fence of this and you're afraid of how you're going to get treated because of how you think why and that same, same goes with employment. If you don't, if you're afraid you don't get a job because of how you think, yeah. why the hell would you want to work there? Yeah. Why honest? would you want to? Why would you want there to work are, with that person? Why would you yeah. want to share your body with this person if you can't yes. even like show who you really are as a person? And it goes to show. I mean, they just they objectify people and they separate sex in that way where it's right. not an important sacred thing anymore. It's just a sport. It's 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 transactional. And I think that's it makes it easy for them to do that to not care if the other person really truly sees who they are as another person doesn't matter they'll share their body with them anyway and it's just man, we need to change that mentality i think that's not good for anyone you know gay or straight yeah. the, the level at which like when i was like like on grinder and that those apps i'm not anymore but when i was on that like the number of like 21 year olds that were in that had like open relationships blew my mind because when i was yeah. 21 it was like oh my god no i need that one man and thought and you know if i had a boyfriend the thought of him being with someone else so to this day, like drives me absolutely insane. Yeah. Like, I can't believe these kids, like this younger generation that's just like, oh yeah, I'm into like fisting and I have four boyfriends. And I'm like, oh my Lord. They, they don't know how to commit to anything. They don't know how to really yeah. just, it's, it's, it's a, like I said, it's Peter Pan syndrome. Like they don't want to grow up. They don't want to have any discipline. They want their cake and they want to eat it too. And I think another villain here too is prep. As, as yeah. kind of great as it is, it also really killed monogamy. Because if you remember before prep, it was like getting a boyfriend was the best thing because you could finally have sex without condoms. Yes. And yeah. that not kept worrying. you faithful also. Because it's like if you cheated, the sex wasn't going to be as good. And also you could, you know, kill him. So, yeah, uh, yeah I think that I've, I've written about that, that before in The Spectator, about how that really killed monogamy, where gay relationships were heading in a monogamous direction, especially because of AIDS. You know, I, I know a lot of people from the, the AIDS generation that were like, we got together during AIDS and we've been together ever since. And, you know, we're monogamous for so long because of it. You just couldn't do anything else. Yeah. Um, but this younger generation, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it, it monogamy is not even like a question for them. It's, it's a little, so I'm they're, little they're actually, their behavior is actually a little more similar to the behavior of the pre gay liberation and pre AIDS yeah. community where that, you know, the sexual liberation 
side yeah. and af- after free AIDS, love. free love and all that and but after the aids crisis that very much changed because it had to like you right. said and then now we you know that's tapered off there's still there's still an hiv epidemic that's still spreading around but because you know we have the medicine now and you can survive with aids and all that stuff that started to taper it off and then now you have prep so now it's just like anything goes and this this is this is definitely in line with the lefty mentality as well it's all about dissolving boundaries and this is why we're we're seeing that being pushed to a the next level where it's like we have drag kids now and we're taking kids to drag shows and it's just like because it's all inclusive we're just going to keep expanding that umbrella and include everyone into it and it's just like you need some boundaries that they exist for a reason and this is why i think we got to push a little bit more toward the conservative side to conserve some of those boundaries they don't have to be super rigid but they should be there you can't just eliminate them in general i just don't understand why why can't we just agree that no gay kids at gay events or drag shows no kids like no kids it should just be you know you know gay events are for adults only and that should just be normal you know, and if they want to sneak yeah. in when they get close to being 18 and they get a fake ID, whatever. That's on them. But right. like, That's what I did. The having, they have like drag con where like these kids like, like come from all over and they get all, no, and it's too much. It's too much. It drives me up, up a wall. Yeah. Yeah. And why not make a kid, you know, if you're a kid that wants to throw on a dress and makeup and be silly and play around, great. Do it around the house. You know, all kids do it. Don't turn it into like, oh, well, you must be trans now or you're yes. this or that. I mean, don't a lot put of it on the internet. Don't <laughs> put it on the internet. Do not bring these kids to drag shows. That you think we can agree on the simplest thing. Don't mutilate children and don't dance around them with fake tits at a drag <clears> show. <throat> you think we can agree with that, but we can't because there's such a no. tiny, tiny little element of the left, which are um, anyone who pushes for that is sick. They're a pedophile. They're a groomer. Something's not right if you're pushing for that. But then you have the rest of the community that just won't stand up to them. But I guarantee the vast majority of gay men, even here in New York City, absolutely agree with with those two basic parameters. They they will never say anything. They won't say say it. They won't say it. They're too afraid. Yeah, I think you're correct about that. I think more of them than we realize, realize that something has gone too far with the trans ideology. But they can't say anything because that you know that pink blue stripe or whatever is on our on the flag now and like yep. we gotta just accept it and deal with it and they threw the first brick at stonewall and, brick. <laughs> and on they that signed note too, declaration of independence <laughs> so you know you mentioned your friend who was at stonewall um and i, I forgot earlier because i was going to mention it before but we had fred Sargent on the show i don't know if oh yeah, yeah 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 uh-huh. so we had a conversation with him and we spoke with him and that was one of the main <laughs> things we talked about is how how these people have hijacked the history and are rewriting the Stonewall gay liberation history. And that is now the new narrative. Yes, that it was it was uh, at the forefront were the were the trans Marsha P. Black, Johnson. Yeah. Yep. Marsha P. Johnson she was right there. No. From my hometown, by the way, from Elizabeth, New Jersey. Marsha was not there. Born there. No, and she then, was not by her own admission, she was not by there. her own admission, yeah. 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 <laughs> um granted, I mean Marsha may have been. We have I a mean, state park named after her in Williamsburg yeah, now. It's crazy. And Marsha was someone who was turning <laughs> bricks in life. Fred Sargent yeah. have a park now. No, Fred yeah. Sargent doesn't go no, to fuck park. Yeah. And it's like one of the things too I realized a little later is like, you know, Marsha probably did have gender dysphoria along those lines. And I saw uh, recently, I listened to a little audio clip. Um, it was Marsha and another 
trans, I think, I think it was a nut, not trans, but cross-dresser at the time. Yeah. And they were already taking hormones and, and that sort of thing. But there was no term transgender. That wasn't a thing. Like transsexual was a term or, you know, a transvestite was, was what yeah. I think they, they called themselves. Yeah, transvestite was when you dress the way. Yeah. And transsexual is when you got the hormones and the surgery. Yeah, right. so I think Marcia started as a transvestite. And then toward the end of his life, he was starting to consider himself a transsexual. I believe, but none of that, none of that has anything to do with, with this myth now around people like Marsha, that they were the ones who started the riot, that they were at the forefront of the movement. And it's like, no, like Fred said, he saw Marsha there, but Marsha showed up later. Marsha wasn't there. You know, Marsha didn't throw the first brick or any of that no. stuff. The gay liberation movement was mostly gay white men. Yeah. And they hate that. They hate that yeah, fact. The left, the, the left want to erase that fact because it goes completely against their narrative. They don't they don't want to have to admit that. It's like, actually, no, you owe a lot of your rights and your acceptance and all this shit in society right now to gay white men. And we yeah. used to say, we all used to say, it, actually, yeah, all of it, gay yeah. men and women. Like, yes, then it wasn't until, you know, the 90s and the post 90s, like really the 2000s when we started using the acronym, which I won't even use anymore. I don't I don't like it. Yeah, I'll say gay. Too. Gay men and women, I'll use lesbians yeah. and bisexuals, yeah. but that's it. And then the word transgender came from the mind of John Money, who, if folks were, you know, look him up, he yeah. was a we, prolific pedophile. We spoke about John Money. So, and sure he was the one that, that really put this idea that you could just switch your gender in the people's heads yeah. in the 50s, like doing horrible experiments with, with twin boys. I, I also want to throw twins, yeah, And they killed up. themselves. The right? Rhymer Twins. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. That's a great documentary everyone should watch yeah. on YouTube. It's so sad. Yeah I, I, yeah, I also want to throw the acronym out. I'm, I'm tired of that whole shit. I'm to the point where I don't even like even want to use the word gay anymore because it's so politically freaking charged like i'm an individual <laughs> like i'll be gay forever I'll be gay for, i'm an individual and i happen yeah. to be sexually and romantically attracted to men whatever but that is not my identity that is not the totality of who i am as Daniel, a person. you're a faggot I, I love the word faggot. Faggot's the best word ever. It's such a good word. That's our word. I love that word. We're allowed to word. use it. We're all getting here. I like using homosexual a lot because it's so clinical and, and that drives the left insane too. When you just yeah, they hate that. But I, under, I, <laughs> yeah. I do understand why they hate that too and why there's a stigma around the word because it reduces us to the act yeah. as if that's all we are as if say men can't have also like yeah, why aren't we homo, rom homo romantics yeah like that there can't be homosexuals homosexuals yes yeah. exactly yeah. we like to yeah. cuddle yeah. a lot with other men well, like, I, yeah. well audits used the term homo yeah, right. <laughs> there's homo gotta be like a homo cathectic yeah that, that homo was, it meant to have an emotional bond that men who are what's the sexuality where you're only into cuddling they, they've got to have only one with some cuddling. flag and everything <laughs> cuddle sexual cuddle yeah sexual. It's like I'm, I'm like a cuddle sexual <laughs> Our flag is like you know pink and orange and yeah we, we got I, yeah, that's that that's my fetish my fetish is i like to cuddle i don't know i'm just i'm so tired of, of i'm almost 40 the... that's all i want to do so uh... brent is 40 so i am 40 i'm older oh oh, oh you win there you go i'm 32 so i'm the young one here oh well yeah I'm the baby. Yeah, I'll get, I'm going gray, man. It's happening quick. You like, know what? It's especially over the last couple of years, it's been very stressful. Yeah, yeah. Well, it only gets better. It's, it's, it's. I would never go back to being in my 20s or early 30s. That's yeah. comforting. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, right, I have a feeling. Me, it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's so much better. Yeah. Only forward, never think, backwards. Only forward, exactly, exactly. I think my 30s are going to be definitely more interesting than my 20s, and there's already interesting things happening. Like, look, I'm talking to you. You know, yeah, that's when life starts getting exciting. That's when it starts going. In your 30s. The 20s just were like 
fucking around and you don't know what's going on. It's like you're sowing seeds. You're you're trying yeah. all these different things and you're hoping yeah. one of those things is going to sprout in your 30s and like yeah. actually start to grow into something substantial. So yeah, it's very much the like play was, around sort of area. Yeah, it was but, I just, that's what I did. I just I I want to be a writer and, and my whole yeah. um point is that was I just I want to have adventures and I love stories and yeah so I spent my 20s like I'm just gonna go out and have adventures and find a way to make money doing that it was fantastic of course you can't sustain that although back to your thing with Peter Pan syndrome you meet so many gay men especially gay writers who are like they're still doing the same shit they're doing at 25 and you're just like my god I I hope that's not me and as conservatives it won't be us but if we were liberal We'd have something to worry about. We, we would. No, I, I also, you know, went the writing route. I self-published five books of poems and all that yeah. stuff. I'm a painter, you know, and I haven't quite given that stuff up yet. Actually, I'm going to throw myself back into it very soon. But I think doing this is going to be my main thing. And it took yeah. a while to even get to that point because I never thought I would be doing a podcast show or anything like that. And I wasn't someone who wanted to get in front of a camera and talk. It took me a while to even get used to this. Yeah. But it was like, it was almost as if that whole like 10 years leading up to this through my 20s was preparing me to have all those experiences, to, to see my mind, my mind transform, to be someone who was more on the left and then to progressively sort of shift and grow up and change. And then I'll have all this stuff that I've been through and I had all this shit inside of me that I'm just like, I want to talk, but not just talk about what I know. I want to like talk to more people. And yeah. so the show, the show started off as just me and Brent, like shooting the shit about world events. And then after we talked to like our first two or three guests, we realized like, Oh, this is, this is better. Like, this is way better to bring someone else on with another perspective or other things that they are into and yeah. to talk to them instead, because we can share what we know, but we also learn something new from someone else who has mm-hmm. been through maybe something similar, but something totally different as well. Right. On that note though, I want to talk about your book. That, yeah. That's, that's yeah. the last thing I guess we'll get into. All right. Um, so I haven't read it. I read a bit of the first chapter, but I'm definitely familiar with, the diversity training thing. And I'm sure a lot of people in this area are also familiar with this now because a lot of people are probably going through this experience right now, but talk a bit about, so you've been sent to diversity training and you know, what, what inspired you to write about DEI? Uh, by the way, we prefer the term D-I-E. Die. Yes, like die. You know, I, I heard More that joke. appropriate. I heard that joke after the book was yeah. published, and I couldn't believe I didn't think of that while. It's an old joke. Gad, yes, Gad Sad. Gad yeah, Sad. Okay. He already thought of it. Oh, did Gad, Gad Sad's the one that popularized that? Yeah, oh, so he, he, wrote a, he wrote a book called The Parasitic Mind. Yeah. And I read that a couple years ago, and that was how I first was introduced to the term in that order. And he, and he even jokes about it, why he chooses to put it in that order. And yeah, I think die is a little more appropriate. But yeah, talk, talk about the book. Like, what inspired you to write this? Sure. Uh, I, I was having a conversation with uh, someone, and, and he was just saying, you know, if these if these these once great magazines of sort of humor and narrative journalism, like the New Yorker or the Atlantic, if they still had any sort of relevancy or balls to them, like someone would have done something on diversity training at work because it's something that everyone can relate to. Everyone's had to go through it. And it's so ridiculous and so primed for ridicule. You know, it's kindergarten for corporate America to go through this this crap. And uh, I was like, well, I write for one of those magazines, The Spectator, so I'm going to do that. And then I, the more I started thinking about it, I thought, well, I think this is a book. I really want to go more in on this and, and really have 
um, a journey, if you will, into DEI, uh, which is what I did. So I, it's, um, you know, it's like actual reporting. I went out and I spoke to, you know, dozens of people from all across the economy, from um, uh, police officers to uh, guys on oil rigs, to retail sales floor workers, secretaries, IT managers. Um, I have a chapter on the military. And I just wanted to be like, what's going on with your diversity training? Like, what's this all about? I, I haven't had a corporate job in forever, so I'm, I'm not familiar with what goes on in offices these days. I genuinely want to know, um, or on oil rigs, is that the case? And um, what we got into was um, a sort of like people were very, they're so, I think everyone in society, everyone is so um, anesthetized to this bullshit that comes at us from all directions that people were just sort of like, uh, you know, I don't really know um, why you're interested in this. I don't think it's that interesting, but okay, here, here, I'll tell you what I remember here. I'll send you some materials we had. And um, the more they started talking, the more they either became very incensed about what they went through or more just amused. And, uh, you know, remembering things that were said and remembering uh, uh, things that they were taught. Um, so I just want to document this and I want to just kind of get in every man's perspective on like, what do you do for a living and how does this impact your job and what do you think of it? So of course, everyone I spoke to is, is um, um, under the condition of anonymity. I've had to use pseudonames and what that yeah. is. Everyone was, of course, oh, yeah. they get fired. Of course, know, yeah. Of course, naturally. Um, but I just want to get like an every man's perspective on diversity training and then also have a lot of fun with it. So I just sort of go in and profile some of the biggest diversity uh, parasites out there. People like Ibram X. Kendi. X. Kendi. Yeah, yeah. Which that and, isn't uh, even his real name. That, what yeah, is his name's like, name? like Rogers or something. Rogers. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's it's a like, slave like, name. Kendi yeah, is his yeah, wife's yeah. name. He took his wife's name because okay. it sounded um, more African or okay. something. Exactly, yeah. The guy's a total yeah. grifter. And then there's, um, what's her name, the white fragility author. Um, uh, oh, uh, oh, my God, why is her name slipping my mind? Slipping my Angela, mind. Angela... Well. Um, uh, why I just wrote a book on her. Um, <laughs> I just wrote a book on her. I can't remember her name. Um, Robin, 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 Robin D'Angelo. Robin D'Angelo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she's, a, she's a white, I didn't know she was white until I was White lady, yep. Yeah, yeah she's, she's sort of the, uh, the supreme white guilt. Have you um, heard about her dinner parties that she throws? No. Oh, God, she does. does. Her and I think it's Nina Turner throw dinner parties where they tell, have these like rich, like white uh, Californian women everything that they're doing wrong. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Yep. They uh, charge like, a TV show about it. Yeah. Tens of thousands of dollars for these isn't dinner that, parties. Isn't, it's, isn't that incredible? It's so it, yeah. It's, it's so much money. I know. Uh, yeah. These people make a killing. Um, uh, yeah, so I, we went into that, and um, we had a lot of fun. It's it's a quick read. It's I hope a, a humorous read because I I I like to laugh, and I and I believe yeah. in the power of mockery and ridicule. Yes, because the left is so primed for it, and yep. um, and they're so so sensitive to it, to it too. Of course, because they're used to being the ones who are the who use yeah. comedy as a weapon, yes. and um, and now they become so absurd, and they're such. Um, yeah. Shrewds they, and prudes. they can't they, meme. They can't they, meme. Th this says everything. They cannot. They still cannot meme this many years later because they've lost their <laughs> sense of humor. They're no longer. They, their whole identity is is washing away because they realize that they're the man. They're no longer avant garde. They're no longer right. funny and interesting. And you know, back in um, you know my day when I was a liberal, like that is a part of a huge identity, especially here yeah. in North Brooklyn, where it's like you know they're supposed to be the coolest kids on the block. Now you're a bunch of fucking Pfizer salesmen. You know, go screw yourselves. 
Um, so we have a lot of fun and make fun of them. So uh, that's uh, that's sort of the book in a, in a nutshell. Um, uh, you know, the, the 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 more serious and scary things I think are happening in the military, um, and corporate America is just. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's corporate America. It's, 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 there's, there's many different reasons I write about and why I think why this is happening and who's behind it and all that stuff. But that's, that's about it. What was like the most eye opening revelation that you, you know, had from your experiences going through some of the diversity training programs? Like what was the craziest thing you saw too? Ooh, good question. I should really be prepared to answer that question, shouldn't I? <laughs> Sorry. I <laughs> that, 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 to me. No, 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 totally. Um, I think, as I said before, the military stuff was really interesting because I yeah. talked to several people that um, were the, the extent to which the Biden administration has um, has and they use January 6th, back to what we were talking about before, as an impetus to have the, to have a national stand down across the entire Department of Defense to do anti-extremism training. And this also was the same with the NYPD. Where, where basically all um, extremism now that they're, they're hunting for within both the military and the NYPD is this like white nationalist terrorism. And so just hearing about the, the, the materials they're being taught, and, and this is something that does not exist in the US military to any measurable degree or in society at all, right? Yeah. Large measure, measurable degree. The military is sort of, um, the, as I wrote the book, the military is not only the place where diversity training started in the 1960s, it started as a um, uh, response to the civil rights era. Basically, the, the government wanted to make sure that there were, was going to be cohesion within units as they integrated, and, and they, they want to make sure that news about civil rights wasn't going to back soldiers. They tried all these really bizarre experiments with soldiers that ended up being a total disaster and ended up making people even more racist, <laughs> and so they stopped it. But by this point, academia had, had latched onto this and were really interested in this idea of diversity training. And then, of course, um, the 70s came around and then, you know, feminism and women became part of the curriculum. The 80s and the 90s became gays and lesbians. And now in the 2000s, of course, it's trans and, and whatever else. So um, but the, the, what's happening in the military where you really don't have any problems with this stuff, because if there's one workplace where you have a lot of cohesion, it's the military. You're, the person in your trench is your brother no matter what. You're not going to care yes. about the color of their skin. So the, the fact at which the Biden administration appears to be trying to to uh, smoke out conservatives from the military. And I think they're using this diversity training for that. And they also obviously use the vax jab for that. Because yeah. if you didn't get vaxxed, you're a conservative. I mean, so we, you know, let's we, put it that way. We had an episode about that subject specifically, how they were using the shots to weed these people out. Um, that was our first episode of last year, actually. Colonel um, it was, Rob it was about a, a year ago, actually, from now. We talked to Colonel Rob Manis. I don't know if you, you're familiar with him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, he's got his own show. He's a big... Uh -huh. You know, conservative yeah. guy. He, I think, he, his generations of his family were in the, in military. the military. All his sons were in the military, yeah. and it's the first time ever he's telling people not to go not in to join. The yeah. And so we had a nice long conversation with him about the the jab mandates and how yeah. that's being used in this way. To also, they were purging. They purged a lot of Trump people too. Yeah. I had. You know, a couple of uh, personal stories, friends of friends who were in the military who worked, you know, very closely with the White House. Uh, I think there was one guy who was working under Kamala who worked under Pence. There was some other guys who did a lot of the uh, the sort of uh, Internet security stuff for the president and the vice president's office. Um, and they purged a lot of them and smacked them with gag orders so they couldn't talk about it. You know, they had a, a lot, some of them had their electronics seized and they were, you know, accused of, you know, all these like high crimes. 
which is, you know, as a, as a honorable member of the military, this is the last thing that any of these guys yeah. wants to have, you know, thrown on them. Yeah. And it's just, and it just, it was all coming down from the Biden administration. They really wanted to purge everyone who, who was any, anybody who was very close to Trump or Trump people. They, that worked with them directly. They wanted to make sure that they were not in place when when Biden came around. Yeah. And I was told yeah. that Kamala's trip uh, that got delayed. She had some trip yeah, a while ago, where she was supposed to go overseas, I think to Japan or somewhere, and it got like canceled or delayed. And that had something to do with the fact that they didn't have the personnel to secure her electronic communications because they had fired uh, wow. the previous people, and so they they kind of, of shot themselves in the foot. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah. And this, this, all this stuff, you know, it's not just in the U.S. Uh, look at what's happening in Canada. Look what's happening to Jordan Peterson right now. Now, now his clinical license is being threatened unless he goes to mandatory social media retraining indoctrination yeah. camp it's that's insane they can literally strip you of your psychological clinical license if you don't do. go to they this go training your, your licensure how, your credential on how you're supposed finances. to conduct yourself on your personal social media account like it's insane that we're in this place Communism. right now but he was mm -hmm. correct you know love the guy or hate the guy and i know people have a lot of criticisms of him i'm personally still a fan Although there are certain things where I'm just like, come on, Peterson, why'd you take the shot? Like, come on, bro. You knew you knew that they weren't going to stop this stuff. Oh, maybe they'll leave me alone. No, they're not going to leave you alone. Of course bro. not. They're not. Course not. Yeah. It's like, so it's just like, but he was correct. You know, everything he started saying in 2016, around the same time that you had your awakening and cancellation and stuff. That was yeah. when he stood up to the Bill C-16 stuff mm -hmm. and said, I'm not going to be compelled to speak a certain way with your freaking pronouns and shit. And then that, that I think was one of the like, like turning points in the culture war i think it was what not only launched it launched him into the public eye but i think it launched the conversation as a whole into the public eye in the way that it wasn't being looked at before or discussed before and all the things he was saying especially on that first joe rogan interview that he appeared on like i rewatched that in like 2020 i remember and it was like prophetic i'm like oh my god he was he was so right he was so spot on about all the things he said would play out yeah. and look at where we are right now you know it's just accurate right accurate. yeah 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 do we want to talk about this real quick because we can end on that um so, i want to because i yeah. want and also he's gay so it kind of it's relevant so it's just your recent <laughs> oh, yeah. article right so yeah, maybe yeah, talk a bit about this we couldn't read it. It's behind a paywall. So. Oh, we can talk about <laughs> it. It's fine. We, we well, can discuss it. And you can tell us, you know, what's going I on. I also really like the title, Mayor Pete's Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mayor Pete's my favorite punching bag. I really hope he runs for president. <laughs> Such an easy target. Oh, my God. Yeah. And he's sort of that, like, I mean, he is very conservative in the sense of how he presents himself and he Ish. well so here's the thing like like right-wing gays hate him because of who he is and left-wing gays hate him because he's too like heteronormative white right you know what i mean yeah. so he's really stuck in the middle and like who does like mayor pete it's like five like sad fat <laughs> wannabe fag hags in Indiana. That, that makes me he's feel not, little... he's not like a fun gay he's like i feel a little bad for him now i'm like damn Sorry, bro. I, well, I don't because he sucks. Because he sucks. He's, he's no. power and he's a diversity and, hire. Yes. Um, his, he's, so one thing I said, mentioned that article is like the, 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 the decadence of this administration and the members of this administration, like Mayor Pete, or like that uh, radioactive drag queen who's stealing luggage, which is so decadent. It's like yes. 
that that's your kink and you make $200,000 a year or you know there's there's Admiral Levine who prays around in a military uniform that she didn't earn yeah. and is now and, advocating to you know put children on puberty blockers and, now, and, now and all this stuff. Yeah. yeah it, it, it down to mayor Pete who's sitting here like well you know bridges are racist and uh, roads are <laughs> racist uh meanwhile the air every airport uh, every plane in the country was grounded this morning for several hours because of a computer glitch that he doesn't have he has no idea what's going on he's probably never heard of the system my favorite thing that i learned that i wrote about in the uh, and this is so uh, 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 symbolic of everything happening in this administration and of the left, really. But this sort of this these, this sort of final days of Rome that it feels like the Democrat Party behaves in. That they're these sort of aloof aristocrats, just sort of like bounding around while everything around them is crumbling. But so, so accurate. Yeah, and so, <laughs> so what, what happened this morning? The reason why all the the flights were grounded for the first time since nine eleven was um, uh, 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 it's called uh, no no wait hold on the north. Uh, notification NOTAM, the NOTAM system, which stands for the notification to airmen. It's mm. uh, it's a um, air it's, people, it's, Chadwick, air people. Listen to this. I know, listen to this though. So it stands for notification to airmen, and it's this system that alerts every single pilot in the country about hazards and conditions and and etc. Hmm. Et whatever. So that there's an outage in the NOTAM system, which is why all the the planes were grounded this morning. So last year, almost exactly one year ago, uh, the department, the FAA under Pete Buttigieg preoccupied their time with changing NOTAM, the notification to airmen to, to the notification to air mission because it was not gender inclusive airmen. Of course. It's so perfect. This is how they're spending their time. Meanwhile, it didn't occur to them to like, I don't know, check if they need to back it up or something. Yeah. Check if it works. <laughs> yes. So I think it's, it's a perfect story about why this happened today and, and these people's priorities, which are so skewed, but they don't even care. They no don't. one cares. They're just, they you know, because, because they have, they have, um, they have, uh, uh, they, 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 they virtue that they're such good people and they care so much about others. And they do things like fight discrimination in an acronym that no one probably knew. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, the no one's going to care if their, their planes are ground. And they, the other things don't even cross their mind. It's just of doesn't they don't even think about it. And this reminds me of something we talked about on our last episode with Kyle Serafin, who's a FBI whistleblower um, who came forward to Project Veritas and all of that. And one of the things we talked about was the Twitter files and the fact that the the FBI used their power to involve themselves in Twitter in this way, to censor information, to take certain people down. And not just the FBI and not yeah. just Twitter. Yeah, probably, DOA. Yeah, like, yeah. This is yeah. Oh, Twitter files. Yeah, it's radar. Yeah, it's radar. radar. So it's like one of the things we talked about, you know, we talked about Eliza Blue and how how strongly she's been trying to get child sexual abuse material removed from Twitter and to catch predators and all this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, Kyle was saying, he's like, you know, what's worse than the fact that they, they may have been like, maybe they were covering all this stuff up and stuff or trying to deliberately not go after that stuff. He said, it's probably even worse than that. It's like, it doesn't even cross their mind. Their tunnel vision, their priority is so focused oh, yeah. on orange man, bad censor, all these people. We're going to abuse this power to take these people down. And it doesn't even cross their mind that they could have went through the back door in that way to Twitter and used that power yeah. in a, in a good way, you know, to, to get rid of this child sexual abuse material and to catch predators and all that stuff. Didn't even cross their mind. Their oh, priorities weren't even there. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Isn't yeah. that amazing? 
And it just says a lot about where we are right now as a country. And, you know, he thinks the FBI should be dissolved. He thinks the, the institution's name is just so it's just stained now to the mm -hmm. point where there's no point in even continuing. Well, and we're going to see what, yeah. you know, the this new little church committee 2.0 with uh, Jim Jordan in the House Judiciary yes. Committee. They're going to be able to see all the January 6th yeah. files, didn't anything know, classified. Yeah. All the Democrats vote against that. Uh, yeah, well, of course they did. Yeah, yeah every yeah. single one. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it doesn't matter anymore now because they are the minority. Yeah. Tulsi would have been the only one if she was still in there to vote for it. Probably. probably. But she left politics because she's smart. And I don't blame her. Left the party entirely. Yep. Which it's I, like, I registered as a Democrat in, what was it, 2019? She was running in 2020, I think. I just, mm -hmm. Yeah, so I registered as a Democrat just so I could vote in the primary for her. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> and then I registered back to, you know, when we came back from Florida, I re-registered as a yeah. Republican. She was the last decent one. Yeah, you she know, was she, the last one that I liked. Yeah. She was the only one. And then I have criticisms of her, too. But she was the only one left who, was, perfect. who was willing to talk yes. to the other side. She was willing to go on Fox. She was willing to have conversations with conservatives and Republicans and to try Called to out the corruption ground. of Hillary Clinton and yes. Kamala Harris. Called out corruption yeah. on her own Single-handedly destroyed yeah. her presidential destroyed bid. Kamala, yeah. But it's just like... It's just, it's crazy that there was only one, you know? And then that one that was left, even even she was just like, fuck this, I'm out, you know? Like, yeah. I can't, I can't be a part of this anymore. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. So, you know, what do you, where do you think all this is heading, man? Do you think things are going to swing back the other way? And I guess another question I have is, do you think things will swing back in a, in like a worse way, perhaps for people like us, like backlash against this LGBT woke shit, um, blurring the lines with children and all that stuff, because that, that is one of the things I think that worries people like us. And I'm not saying we're speaking out just to think, oh, well, they're going to pick us and maybe we'll be avoid it. You know, and they won't pick me, pick me. They won't come for us. It's no, we're speaking out because we, we legitimately they love that insult. They, they love, love us pick me gays. Yes. They like to say we're only saying these things because we hope the, the conservatives or the right wing extremists will spare <laughs> us when the backlash happens. But I think there will be some backlash and I can't even blame. Like we're trying to mitigate the backlash yes. with the conversations. I can't even blame the backlash, the, blame the people who are lashing back anymore because look at the shit that we're seeing, man. Well, that's why, I mean, I backlash yeah. against the crazy. But like, where do you think this is heading? Do you think like we're going to heal as a country or is it going to be something no, else? No, there's no going back. But I think that, that uh, I think, I think the, the pendulum do always does swing back, but it never swings back far enough, especially where the left is concerned. So they've, I mean, they obviously have, have gone to such extremes in recent years that we never, ever thought we'd ever see in this country. They're just outright Marxists and communists who yeah. many of them want to rape and mutilate children and whatever, put white people in the camps, who knows what else. But um, uh, they, I, I, I don't think it, I think there is sort of, I think we are right now going through a bit of correction. And um, I, I, I've always been cautious of praising Elon Musk too much because same, um, you know, but so far what he is doing, it seems one seems really great and in our favor. I mean, I, I don't feel so afraid to speak anymore ever since he's sort of taken a stand against so, so many uh, evil forces. Not that I ever was afraid to speak, but there's always things like, oh, I shouldn't say this on Twitter or whatever. Now I'm like, fuck it. But yeah, um, so I, I, we are seeing, if we, had, if we had a few more of them, that would be nice. But the left is, is they've calmed down a lot as we knew they would if they won the election because one, they see how shitty 
their leadership is and how horrible things are. So they can't really say much. The the backs up is interesting because I mean, how I would love to know what's going on in so many of their minds when it comes to the vaccines and COVID. And if, if they yeah. do are having vaccine regret, if they're having regret of how they treated people who uh, weren't vaccinated, if they're having regret about such blindly following the government and Fauci and, and Pfizer and all that. Um, I don't know if they are. I mean, I, I would like I would like to know how many are. Maybe that'll make them um, bring them back to the uh, the human side a little bit, but uh, who knows? Um, as I said, I really don't know that much. I don't know anything about politics. I'm wrong about everything. So if I predict that it's going to get normal again, then that means I'll I'll see you guys in the camps later. Damn, <laughs> Damn. that's it's possible. It's okay. We'll we'll have the best memes and the best jokes. Yo, the yeah. camp the gulags are going to be lit. Oh yeah, they're going to be right. so lit, man. They're going to be pulling up all of all our the like fun people are right there. Our best tweets, you know, when they sit us down, they're going to be like, "Did you say this on so and so?" I'm like, "That was yeah. me, and that was a banger, man. I remember that Look one. Look how many retweets that got. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh god, Chadwick, thanks for coming in and talking to us man we appreciate you sharing your time with us like this and, and your insight and being brave in the way you are and speaking out and being yourself you know because a lot of gay men are extremely terrified to talk about any of this stuff well they're a bunch of pussies and thank you guys for having <laughs> me on it's, it's been a lot of fun maybe we can grab a drink together sometime yes absolutely yeah. yes Definitely. when you're in the neighborhood let us know we would love to do that it'd be fun to hang out and awesome. shoot the shit and maybe we can go get kicked out of some bars or something when they let's see your do face it. bring your maga hat let's do it i have an i like america shirt that'll get some luck yeah wear your i like america shirt y'all can find chadwick on twitter at chadwick underscore more m-o-o-r-e uh, his new yeah. book is uh, the So You've Been Sent to Diversity Training. Yeah. Sorry, my eyes are terrible. I can't yeah. wear glasses. And right you can now. just go to chadwickmore.com Chadwick and you'll Com. find all his links right. to yes. his articles and all the, all the good things and all that stuff. Go follow Chadwick. Go support his work. And yeah, like, comment, share, subscribe, donate. All Give us things. money. We love you. Give us money. Give money. Stay, stay. Stay Give us money. We'll be back again soon. All right, later. Bye bye.